Turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> we begin with verse 12. And I'd like to read through verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been studying the book of 1 Corinthians chapter by chapter. And we studied the first part of chapter 12 last Sunday night or last Wednesday night under the outline, the value of the Spirit, the various gifts of the Spirit, and the victoria, victorious gifts of the Spirit, the victory of the Spirit. We begin in verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. As we consider these verses tonight, we're thinking about God's wonderful gifts to us. The greatest gift is the gift of grace. 
In Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously and soberly and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us unto himself and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So the greatest gift is grace. But along with that grace are wonderful truths. And as we think about this, I want us to think, first of all, we're baptized by the Spirit. Number two, we are one body in the Spirit. Number three, there are best gifts of the Spirit. And we need to seek the more excellent way. First of all, we're baptized by the Spirit. Look in verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, first of all, this is saying there is one baptism. Not talking about water baptism. You could be baptized 10 or 15 times in water. But the baptism speaking of here, spoken of here, is the spiritual baptism. And it happens one time. That's when you get saved. You're baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. What we do in water baptism is a symbol that you have been baptized into Christ. When you go down in the water, you're picturing the life of Jesus, his death and burial and his resurrection. You're picturing that each of us individually have died to an old life of sin, we've been raised to walk a new life with Christ. And thirdly, we're picturing that one day we're going to die. And just like God raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to raise us and we'll be with him forever. But that's already happened in our heart or else the water baptism is a sham. There are some churches that teach baptism is the entrance into eternal life. So therefore you have to be baptized to be saved. They're talking about water baptism. Baptism is entrance into eternal life, but it's a spiritual baptism. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so this scripture is saying, for by one spirit have we all been baptized into one body. Now, you and I who have been saved have been immersed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ and we're his body. Now he goes on to give illustrations and he says now, the body has many members. We have hands and feet, eyes and ears. We have comely parts and uncomely parts, but we're all one body. And he says the head can't say to the feet, I don't have any need of you because you're not of the head. And the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you because you're not an eye <laughs> or not a hand. He says we all have different ministries, different work. We don't all have the same gifts. Next Sunday we'll be talking about the parable of the talents. We don't all have the same talents. We all have the same abilities. Jesus talked in Matthew 25 about some receiving five talents, others receiving two, and some receiving one. We don't all have the same abilities. 
There are some of you here tonight who have tremendous abilities, great, great gifts, more than others. You just think of Miss Sue and Miss Retha, how they can play the piano and organ. Isn't that beautiful? Others in this auditorium play the piano and organ. You think of those that sing. We get blessed all the time by these singing people. Some of us can't. They are gifted. God has given them these gifts. And we all have different gifts, but we're all one body. Now, it's very important to remember that we're one body in Christ. And he goes on to say, as we think about this, in verse uh, 27, look. Now, you're the body of Christ and members in particular. Look at verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. The other day there was in the church bulletin a little article about John Williams. John Williams is uh, Mrs. Paisley's grandson. And he was, uh, he graduated in the uh, ministry of the police work. And he's been assigned to be a trooper in the Glasgow, Glasgow or Columbia area, I believe. Columbia area. Well, not all of us are policemen. We have Shane West in our church. Uh, if I happen to be going a little bit too fast, I'm really glad to see Shane. I'm sort of kidding. He'd probably do the same thing to me that anybody else would. But these policemen have a special ministry. We're not all policemen. These people that sing can bless our souls. These people that play the instruments. Stephen plays that trumpet. Andrew plays the trumpet. Joseph plays the French harp. Whatever, what is it? Saxophone, saxophone, see? They all have different gifts, but we're all one body. Now listen, when someone suffers, we all suffer. Now that's one of the weaknesses in many churches. Let's classify ourselves. We decide whether that's a weakness or not. When somebody is sick, do we all get concerned? Um, I visited a couple last night, yesterday, day, yesterday, and they told me, this lady said, I was in the hospital for two or three weeks and got two cards, and, and only two people came to see me. Well, that particular person never goes to see anybody else either. I didn't say that to them, but... <laughs> you know, that, that happens. Sometimes we get a call on the telephone and say, so-and-so's sick, and you know nobody's been to see him. I feel like saying, well, have you? How many people do you go see? But you see, that's one of our weaknesses. When one of our members is sick, we all need to be concerned, right? That's the reason on Wednesday night we try to pray for those publicly that we know are, are sick, and we have on the prayer list these names. We ought to pray for those that are sick. We ought to visit those that have special needs. Right now, Dr. Pauline Lohman has a special need with serious cancer. And uh, many of you have uh, volunteered to go by and take her to the hospital and take her to doctors and, and, and help her with food and so on. And uh, we have others like that. And we need to minister to each other. When there's a death in our church family, 
You know, I've heard people say, don't class, you classify yourself. I'm not, gonna, I'm not accusing anybody, but I've heard people say, well, I didn't know Miss So-and-so. Or I didn't know Joel over here. I didn't know him, so I didn't go. If they're part of our church, you know them, or it should be our business to know them, right or wrong. Shake your head one way or the other. <laughs> All right. Now, it's a weakness in many churches. And as that weakness grows, sometimes people don't feel as much part of the fellowship because they feel ignored. When one suffers, we all suffer. For example, if your hand hurts, what hurts you? You hurt all over. If your back aches, could you say, well, it's just a little backache. No, no, you hurt all over. If you have a headache, you don't feel like doing anything. Right or wrong? All right? If one of, we're all a body. If one of us suffers, if one of us has a death in the family, if one of us have, has severe problems, we all ought to deal with it. Now, in the church, do you know what the books and the book tells us the pastor's responsibility is? To equip the saints to do the work. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes members of the church think the pastor's supposed to do all that. Well, that's wonderful. I'd really love to, but it's hard to get around to everybody. And so we're members of one body, and we all need to be involved in doing it. We ought never to say, well, I don't know that Joel. I don't know that Mary over there. Uh, somebody else can do it. No, no. We're all concerned about everybody. We're not a huge church. We don't have ten or 15,000 people coming. I don't know how many are here tonight. But we need to know each other. You know that's the reason for 40 years or longer. Every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night we turn around and shake hands with each other. And I've observed a few times where there's somebody sitting there says, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. They don't go anywhere to shake hands with anybody. The reason we do that is so we can get acquainted with each other. Not just the little group we know, but other people we don't know. Is that good or bad? Sort of shake your hand one way or the other. All right? We, we need to get to know each other. I've noticed a lot of the children go and shake hands. A lot of the adults just sit there. They're too stiff, too formal. Maybe their back hurts, their foot hurts or something. They can't get out or something. We need to all go around and shake hands each other. I notice in, on Sunday morning in the ABC class, the favorite time of that class is fellowship. And it's hard to get them going to sing it again, get them doing anything because they're just grouped together and shaking hands with each other, everybody. We all ought to do that every service and get to know each other. I notice one or two, three of people of our, of our men they come here on Sunday morning, they go shake hands with everybody. Now, if you've never gotten a bear hug from Brother Danny, raise your hand because he'll come to you and give you a bear hug. Uh, he knows how to do that. You know, he's never hugged me. <laughs> I see him hugging everybody else. But anyway, he says he has. All right, you have. But anyway, see, we, we're members of one body. And we need to show our affection and love for each other. And Sunday and Wednesday ought to be the happiest time and the most loved time in the week when we get together 
and we know each other and share with each other. Now, one last thing. There are best gifts. Look in verses uh, 29, 30, and 31. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? What's the obvious answer? No. Now, what does that say to the people that say that you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues? What does that say? Somebody. They're wrong. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. That isn't true. Don't let anybody tell you if you're not an apostle, you're not saved. Don't let anybody tell you if you're not a prophet, you're not saved. This simply says, do all have these same callings? Do all have these same gifts? The obvious answer is no. Then he goes on to say a tremendous thing. He said, but covet earnestly the best gifts. How are you going to decide what's the best gift? Well, he says, I'll show you. I'll show you what it is. I show unto you a more excellent way. Better than apostles, better than prophets, better than tongues, better than healing. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am nothing. So the greatest gift and the greatest evidence of that gift is love. D.L. Moody tells the story of, of uh, a little boy in Chicago. He passed this church and this church and this church and this church and he did that every Sunday morning. And somebody standing out in front of one of those big churches said, uh, fellow, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church. He said, well, here's a church. Why don't you come here? He said, well, I'm going down to Mr. Moody's church because they love a fellow down there. They love a fellow down there. When it gets out that we love people, they'll come. Let's love people. Love never fails. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to find this in the Scripture and follow it and know that by one Spirit we've been baptized into the body of Christ. And nobody has it over on anybody else. We pray we will covet and seek the greatest of all the gifts. And only the Holy Spirit can make us love people. We pray you will baptize us afresh with the spirit of love. We might love each other, looking beyond their faults, looking beyond their difficulties, looking beyond their clothes, looking beyond their economic background or the houses they live in. And may we just love. God, fill us with love one for another and for the people of God and for the unsaved and especially for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. What are we going to sing? 156, as you're all on the altar. Let's stand, please, as we sing. You do what God tells you to do about this. Some may need to come and kneel at the altar and just pray. Others may need to just settle some things in your heart right where you are and just say, Lord, I want to put my all on the altar. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I want to encourage you to come. I'd like to show you from the Bible how to be saved. If you've been away from the Lord, why don't you come on back tonight? Come back to Him. 
and just say, I want to serve the Lord and be what God wants me to be. While we sing, will you come?